Book Three, Chapter Eight of the Sworn Brothers: A Tale of the Early Days of Iceland, by Gunnar Gunnarsson, translation by Claude Field and W. M. A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Now there is this to be told of Ingolf that when he had found a practicable harbour and unloaded his ship and drawn it on land he set his men immediately to work at building winter dwellings for men and animals he himself rode about on horseback followed by a young serf vifel who had grown up in his father's house and whom he valued greatly he examined the district and took long rides along the shore to look for the pillars of his high seat he made use of his opportunities and was satisfied. The district suited him in many ways. From his point he commanded a wide view eastward and westward along the coast, the most extensive view he remembered to have seen. Some distance inland, exactly opposite the point, divided from it by luxuriant pasture land, there rose a steep high mountain. On both sides of it, the circle of mountains retired, on the southwest side in a wide curve. Behind this mountain rose the glacier, a gigantic pile of ice glittering white in the distance, which sent wrinkled feelers down all the ravines, as if to taste the lowland. Remarkably enough, no cold emanated from this huge mass of ice, on the contrary it seemed to warm the air perhaps by attracting all the bad weather and cold to its far summit which was only seldom visible on both sides of the point there stretched barren sand along the coast intersected by countless glacier streams these sands in some places spread themselves inland till they met the edge of the glacier but the wide-stretching pasture-land along the mountains, which this barren sand surrounded, was of a peculiarly rich fertility. There was abundance of coppice-wood, which in places grew close up to the glacier, and presented a singular appearance. The cattle throve well here, the air was full of warm moisture, and was suitable for grass and cattle and men ingolf had to admit that the summer was better and the soil more luxuriant here than in the svansfjords at the same time he wished his pillars would drift ashore in the svansfjords and in this halveg was one with him secretly he derived not a little hope from the circumstance that the pillars had apparently taken an eastward direction when he saw them drift away from the ship who could say Perhaps it was to the Svanfjords. He did not dare to wish anything in that way. It was for Odin to decide it. And it would be presumptuous of him to wish to instruct or to influence the one-eyed with the ravens. But many things pass through one's thoughts which one cannot control. Odin must know that, and would excuse it. Ingolf endured the suspense for two months. Then he prepared for a long expedition with his serf Vifel. Halvig did not like this journey. Both Ingolf and his men had told her so much about the impassable glacier streams. Ingolf, however, quieted her by promising to show all possible caution. But he wished to go and look for himself in the Svanfjords. Ingolf and his serf rode over the sand dunes. On each sand hill sat a gull. 
full of an injured sense of proprietorship the birds sat there and followed silently with an inscrutable look these strange animals who brought disturbance into the landscape these sands were intersected by a countless number of powerful glacier streams but fortunately the glacier proved passable in that part so that ingolf and his companion succeeded in circumventing the rivers in that way on the evening of the second day they were again stopped by a glacier stream as broad as a fjord and with a treacherous bottom of fine sand it traversed the district ingolf and leif had penetrated on their expedition southward from the svanfjords the previous summer ingolf tried to circumvent it in the same way as he had the other river but here the glacier was so full of deep crevasses along and across its course that after many vain attempts he had to give it up there was nothing for it but to turn round and put off the examination of the coast till the winter had bridged with ice the impassable rivers the remainder of the summer passed in winter preparations of all kinds there were plenty of things to take in hand and look after ingolf kept an eye on his sister helga and showed her great friendliness in his words and behavior he could not exactly ascertain the real state of her feelings she was quiet as ever and all smiles and good humor she played with the boy helped halvik and there was apparently nothing in the least the matter with her spirits but ingolf had now and then early in the morning before any one else was up surprised her standing staring with a long look towards the distant mountains that showed bluish in the southwest in that direction lay hjorleif's point although so far away that it could not be discerned it cut ingolf to the heart to see his sisters stand gazing so her face was so unusually pale in the mornings and her blue eyes darker than at other times as though shadowed by a twilight below them he had been many times on the point of telling her about the last words he had exchanged with leif for he knew that she was not aware of hjorleif's real reason for letting her remain behind with himself and halvik and had no idea what she thought about it but on further reflection he gave up the thought of telling her every time perhaps by doing so he would only cause her unnecessary anxiety and sorrow she would certainly hardly be so quiet as now if she were seriously anxious for hjorleif best not to interfere with her thoughts for his own part ingolf was not for an instant afraid of anything happening to hjorleif though he agreed with him that it was best not to expose helga to the results of any conspiracy among the serfs which he might well have reason to fear but ingolf knew hjorleif even if his brother had been alone with the ten seditious serfs he would not have felt anxious for him hjorleif was on the watch and he had successfully managed worse situations the winter began with slight frost and much snow it was past yuletide before the rivers were frozen as soon as possible ingolf equipped vifel and another of his serfs named karl and sent them eastward along the coast with orders to examine closely every creek and every promontory 
and not to return till they had inspected both Svanfjords, except in the event of their finding the pillars before. The serfs experienced wretched weather, with snowstorms and intense frost. They remained away for two weeks, and returned hungry and weary. They had examined the coastline as far as north of the Svansfjords, but seen nothing of the pillars anywhere. When they had informed Ingolf, he heaved a deep sigh and gave up the Svanfjords. He allowed the serfs time to rest and recover after their severe experience. Then he ordered them to get ready again. This time he gave them horses and sent them westward along the coast. He enjoined them not to return till they had found Hiorleif. If they had not found the pillars before they met him, they were to tell Hiorleif to come westward with his men and cattle as soon as summer was in the air and a sea passage was safe. But spring came this time earlier than it was expected. Already in the night before the serfs started, a warm and strong southwest wind began to melt the snows and melt the ice that covered the rivers. The serfs only succeeded in passing the nearest rivers on ice. By the second day they could neither get forward nor backward by reason of furious rivers which carried huge volumes of muddy water and great blocks of ice. But they had to push on, and did so with the horse's help, although they often wasted days in finding a ford, and sometimes had to let themselves be dragged through the water, hanging on to the horse's tails or manes. It was the worst journey that Viffel and Karl had ever been out on, and it was only due to Viffel's endurance and fidelity that they went forward and escaped with their lives. On the way they met men, Irish monks, who here, far inland, had built a temple, with a brazen voice which shook the air. The monks questioned them, and seemed displeased with what they had to narrate. They did not show them much friendliness, but Viffel and Karl were eternally thankful for merely escaping with life from these strange men, who were in covenant with a god, the sound of whose voice alone cast them terror-struck to the earth. At last the serfs reached Hiorleif's point. They had been fourteen days on the journey. They found the houses empty and the place forsaken. They went down to the shore and found the ship. The boats, on the other hand, were gone. Not the slightest sign of life was visible anywhere. End of Book 3, Chapter 8